Hello, good evening. Thank you for being here. This is the regular board meeting of the Shawnee Mission Board of Education, uh, Monday, June 24th. Our first item of business is the Pledge of Allegiance, and we have some special guests from Ray Marsh uh, to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise. Pledge of Great job. Thank you for being here. Mr. Weiser, would you like to uh, introduce your students with us tonight? Yes, thank you so much for having us. These guys came on their summer vacation just so they could be a part of the board. So, yay. I'm going to have them introduce themselves because this is what they look forward to. My name is Isabella and I'm in first grade. Good job. My name is Liam Pischke and I'm in going into third grade. Nice. I am Roy, and I'm going in first grade. Awesome. <coughs> I am Jack Pischke, and I'm going into fifth grade. My name is Annabelle. I'm seven years old, and I'm going into second grade. We have a, f a future Ray Martian right here, too. Do you want to say your name? If you want me to say it. This is my sister Juliet, she, and she is three years old. My name is Marissa, and I'm going into fifth grade. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having us. Thank you for being here. If there's extra credit that we could give you, we would do it, but uh, it's summertime. There's food out there. Yeah. Plenty of food. Thank you for being here. Enjoy your summer. Next item on the agenda is uh, item 1.03. This is the adoption of the agenda. I'll turn to the board to seek a motion to adopt. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of adopting the agenda as printed this evening, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That's 7-0. Uh, item 4, I'm sorry, 1.04 is the approval of minutes of the regular meeting from May 29th. <coughs> seek a motion. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. The next item is item 1.05, and that is the approval of a special meeting, the uh, negotiation section of June 17th. Seek so moved. Thank Second. you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. All those in favor, please oh, say aye. Hold on, it was reversed. I think Patty Thank was you, Mrs. First. Goodburn. Thank you for the second, Mrs. Mack. No, no opposite. Moved. He moved. She moved. Thank sorry. you. And I second it. Sorry. Did you get that? Patty didn't say. Got it. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We have the minutes of the special meeting of June 17th for litigation. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Item 1.07, special meeting... Uh, June 17th, the regular meeting. So moved. Second. Uh, uh, Dr. Sinclair on the motion and Mrs. Goodburn as the second. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0 with one uh, extra vote there. Uh, <laughs> with that, we'll move on to Dr. Fulton for tonight's superintendent report. Dr. Kay. Fulton. Thank you very much. It's great to see everybody out on this beautiful June evening. Well, it may be summer break, but there's still a lot of learning going on in our district. 
New science, technology, engineering, arts, and math summer enrichment opportunities were open to students who are in sixth grade, seventh, and eighth grade in the 2018, who were in those grades in the 2018-2019 school year. The classes were offered at the Center for Academic Achievement and included exploration and animation, biotechnology, healthcare, engineering, and game design. Each class is modeled after signature programs for high, high school students offered at the CAA. Students are also exploring a wide variety of summer enrichment classes at Indian Woods Middle School, including art, technology, science, nature, and more throughout the summer. So congratulations to all our students and staff that are keeping the formal learning going on. More than 400 educators in pre-K through 12th grade attended the Impact Institute hosted by the Curriculum and Instruction Department this month. The Institute provided a variety of professional development opportunities for educators in the areas of literacy, mathematics, relationships, and responsive culture. The three-day event provided eligible teacher-directed professional development hours, so that's was great for our staff to have those opportunities. <clears throat> The Shawnee Mission Education Foundation kicked off its second year of Leadership Shawnee Mission. This leadership development program for incoming juniors and seniors combines 42 hours of internship experience with 48 hours of classroom curriculum. Kim Hinkle, Executive Director for the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation, welcomed 22 students to the Center for Academic Achievement. These students were nominated by a faculty member to participate in this program. Students are interning at 20 different sites, including Advent Health, Reach Healthcare Foundation, ACI Bolin Architects, Newkirk Novak, Construction Partners, and many other locations. So thank you to the foundation and to uh, all of our students for participating in that. Emma Matheson, a Shawnee Mission West student, and Alexa Morgan, a Shawnee Mission South student, are among the top 10 finalists of the KC Superstar Competition. As finalists, they are invited to perform on Sunday, August 25th at Yardley Hall at Johnson County Community College in an American Idol style competition. More than 200 students from the Kansas City Metro audition and compete to make it to the final. So congratulations to those students. Happy Day is the name of an original work of art created by artist Rita Blood and given to Brookwood Elementary School. Blit said that every time students arrive at school, she will think about them. Blit hosted an assembly for students before the end of the school year and also donated a copy of a book featuring her artwork to every Shawnee Mission School District uh, Library. So thank you very much to her for her contributions to Shawnee Mission. The Kansas City Star announced their 50 top female and male scholar athletes of the year. The following Shawnee Mission District students were honored with this recognition. Jordan Martin from Shawnee Mission South, Lindsay Edmonds from West, PJ Spencer from East, Asher Molina from North, and Benjamin Harrell from Northwest. Congratulations to all of those students. We got word recently, this is actually pretty exciting. We have word recently that Shawnee Mission is among the best employers uh, in the state according to Forbes. We made the 2019 <coughs> list. So we're listed among the top 25 employers in the state of Kansas. The rankings are based on a survey conducted of 80,000 employees by research company Statista. An anonymous survey of respondents were asked to share how likely they would be to recommend their employers 
to friends and family and nominate organizations in an industry outside of their town. As a side note, there were four school districts in the top 25, and we were one of them, so kudos to Shawnee Mission. Great work by, by everyone. And then uh, finally, want to provide to the board an update of our organizational chart. Again, these things are almost impossible to read from the back or, or from the front, so I apologize for that. Uh, what it really does more than anything is reflects our commitment to streamlining the organization in ways that supports uh, work that goes on with our children and in our classrooms every day. As, as you know, over the course of this past year, we really went through some reflection process on how can we streamline administrative cost in ways that better supports the classroom. As part of that process, we were able to cut about 680000 out of administrative cost over the next two years. That was really important because one of the things that we needed to do this year was make up for about a million dollar shortfall in Title I funding. We were able to meet that million-dollar shortfall through internal reorganization. And so, for example, Dr. Southwick, who is retiring here in a few days, right? Congratulations on that, and thank you for all of your great work. Uh, Dr. Southwick is retiring, and we use that as an opportunity to eliminate one associate superintendent position. Uh, Dr. Atha will assume his role, and then the other Associate superintendents will be Dr. Sumner, as well as Dr. Hubbard, and then David Smith also serves on the executive leadership team. We are adding in an in-house counsel for next year. Our, our goal in adding that in-house counsel was to provide more direct legal services to the district, but very importantly, we believe in, that not only can we do this in a cost-neutral way by taking current money that we're spending on legal fees and redirecting that to in-house counsel, but um, we also believe that at the end of the day, it'll save us money, which would be good. And then also, a couple other changes that, will, that did occur this year. Um, uh, we have taken the principle of early childhood, and uh, we basically combined that responsibility with the assistant superintendent for early childhood position, so that person will now play uh, both of those roles. So that saves the cost of the principal uh, uh, amount. And then also next year, we will take the chief of student services position and the assistant superintendent position and combine those, eliminating one of those positions. And this is due to retirement. And we will also restructure um, the chief of emergency services position to one that will involve less cost again through retirement. So we're trying to take some tangible steps to make sure that we're doing the very best we can to keep teachers, in this case actually uh, social workers and structural coaches, in those Title I schools that no longer qualify due to a reduced reduction of funding. So that's the, that's the organizational chart for next year. And very importantly, I think it also directly supports the strategic plan, uh, also through reorganization and some cost-saving efforts, we were able to add in um, a, a coordinator diversity, and, as well as provide support and for the fine arts and the performing arts, which was something that's been needed for quite a while. So that concludes my report.
All right. Thank you for that update. Any board member questions? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, could I um, uh, re maybe repeat a question I was asking you about earlier? When I was um, back, when I was kind of following along and running for school board and things, and looking at the administrative org charts from past years and past superintendents, um, I would count the number of boxes, you know, as a way of trying mm -hmm. to determining are we growing our administrative footprint or declining um, and pulling back in those files just kind of looking I do see that there are more boxes on the current org chart and I kind of wanted to ask you about that uh, it feels like we've been reducing an administrative footprint but yeah we might have more boxes could you well we're trying to do a couple that? things first of all it's helpful you don't get a lot of questions about where do I go for things you know who do I talk to and by making sure that we've reflected the entire kind of chain of communication, it helps us we work with people to say, here's the, here's the position or the person that you need to go to, and then here's their boss, and then here's their boss, so that people kind of know how to work through that chain of command or that chain of communication. And then the other thing that we're doing is, this, and we've done this very publicly, this continual review of, when we when we cut things, we let people know. If we're adding things, we let people know. And importantly, we're talking about uh, making sure that whatever administrative structure we have, that it directly supports our organizational mission. So I haven't gone into great depth over what's happened over the last three or four years, but I know that's going to continue to be our mindset to do things as efficiently as we can. And again, once we have our strategic plan approved, our job is to support the implementation of that plan. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. Other questions? Report, appreciate it. We now move to item 2.02. This is board reports. Uh, seeing as that we're in the summer, there might be a lot of our uh, affiliated groups that are not meeting, but I'll go through just the same and I'll turn to Reverend Guy and Smack PTA update. I don't have a report. All right, thank you. And uh, Mrs. Owsley with SMEF Foundation. Um, we didn't meet last month, but Leadership Shawnee Mission did start. It's a program for juniors and seniors, um, a three-week program, and I don't know that much about it, so I don't have much of an update to give, but I know it's an honor for, yeah. for them to have it. Well, it's very neat to see the pictures today. Yeah. Uh, with that KSB, uh, the board, Mrs. Zila. Yes, we met in early June and um, got an advocacy report from Mark Tolman, as we always do there. At that time, the, the court hadn't relinquished their... Uh, their decision, so we were still in kind of holding pattern there, so not a whole lot new and different. Um, some of the new laws were talked about um, as far as uh, organizational meetings and that sort of thing. So I did bring some of that back to, I think, board members and Dr. Fulton. Uh, and then it's a lot of at these board meetings where we talk about the strategic plan of the association, their building improvements, which they are doing quite a few. Um, they had a revamping of their retirement program, so it's kind of nuts and bolts of the organization, which comprises a lot of our meeting there. So um, it was a good meeting. We had um, a dinner for the employees, kind of honoring them and all the work that they do. Great. Thank you, and thank you for your service on that board. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sinclair, any updates from Government Relations Network? The KASB Legislative Committee will be convening again August 24th and then again in November. So um, I've asked um, um, Ms. Wintering to forward 
um, the last year's legislative platform from KASB to board members in case anyone has input on um, policy priorities for the next, for the coming legislative session from the KASB state organization. Legislative advocacy never ends, is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, constituent services, Mrs. Goodburn. <clears throat> Um, pretty much wrapped up, huh? Yes, we are wrapped up. So um, I don't have a report right now. Okay. As a there's, there's new items in the works. New items in the works, yes. Uh, professional services. Mrs. Eel, any wrap up there? Um, no, I think that wrapped up with last meeting and the naming of our internal council and those outside firms that we'll be using. All right. So at Great. this point, we are wrapped up. Thank you all for your work on that. And then uh, back to Mrs. Goodfern for policy review. I do have an update. Um, the Board Policy Committee has met a couple times since our last regular meeting in May. And you will see to, on tonight's agenda items 5.01, JCEC new policy, assemblies and speech, and 5.02, the revised policy, JHCA, both presented as first readings tonight for the Board's view both of which were the result of the settlement of the case with the ACLU. As you will note, these are first readings, which gives you, the board members, time to weigh in with comments as well as the public to weigh in with any <coughs> thoughts on each of these policies. Um, the board policy committee has uh, worked on a recommendation that will come forward at the July 8th meeting that addresses changes in Kansas statute and requirements for the timing of board election of officers. And we have a number of all other policy, board policy updates that come to us two times a year that have been recommended by KASB to all Kansas districts in the coming months. We will be working our way through those potential policy updates and bring those to you in the coming months. We will also begin the process of exploring non-discrimination policy language and looking at others that have been adopted by other entities around our area. So that's kind of what's on our plate right now. All right. Thank you. And sure. If I can add, yes, if I can add comments to that. So uh, I want to add to the first reading. You know, the great thing about a first reading is, is you get the policy out in front of the public domain, less gives people a chance to see it, and then provide feedback, which is good. So we've been getting a lot of feedback on one of the policies in particular. So what I want to encourage people to do is if you, if you have interest in providing public comment on the policy, make sure that you send those in writing to Terry Wintering. She's clerk of the board. <laughs> And the reason that's important is, is that documents the thoughts that folks may have about the policy. What we do with that information is we take it, we, we'll look at all the comments, and then we have time between now and the next meeting where it appears for the second reading, which won't be till the July, July 22nd board meeting, to do any kind of modifications to the policy that, uh, that may be needed. You know, it's been important in this process as we've gone through uh, reaching agreement with the plaintiffs in the ACLU to make sure that we reflect in our policy struck policy wording uh, what was uh, agreed to in that meeting. And so, one of the things that we made sure and do is we took the actual agreement verbatim and put that into the policy language. Now, the verbatim agreement was part, is part of the policy; it's not the whole policy. <laughs> So some of the commentary I know has been around other parts of wording that has also been updated. But I just want to assure the public, assure you as a board, that we have stood by that agreement and we've taken that language and verbatim from the agreement, put it into the policy. So 
we look forward to any public comments and uh, we'll be happy to look at them and based on that make any kind of final revisions that may be needed before it comes to the board on the 22nd. Great. Uh, Mrs. Mack. Dr. Fulton, did you want to say something about student journalists, about in the Kansas statutes that oh, subscribe to that? Uh, yeah, and this is kind of for, for informational purposes of the audience. Kansas has some unique qualities related to student journalists. So um, one of the things that we're really proud of is the fact that we value student journalists. That's an important part of their education. Uh, we certainly uh, respect and want to honor what Kansas has put down as, you know, complying with Kansas law and student journalists, as well as looking at other federal uh, guidelines we may get based on previous case studies. So we have, we have great journalism programs. We support our journalism programs. And we want to make sure that our policy continues to provide the kind of high-quality experience for our students that they've had in the past. So that, that's, the, that's the goal. Any other questions on the reports? All right. Thank you for all your work on these committees. With that, uh, item 2.03, this is the board finance report. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton for introductions of Mr. Knapp. Okay, yes, I'm going to have Russ Knapp come forward, and he's going to provide us with, uh, once again, some a little bit of archival information as a reminder of where we're at in our budget process, uh, provide us with a new piece of information that we just got recently from the state that's helpful to know, and then provide an additional update. Yes, thank you. Good evening. Um, tonight on attached to your board agenda is the board financial report, um, as always. These are as of May 31st. Uh, the business office has been very busy this month of June as we close out our fiscal year this Friday. So, Could I ask a favor? Can yeah. you turn the mic back towards you because they moved it during the pledge? There we go. Thank you. Okay. Great. Is that better? Mm -hmm. Very good. So like I said, we close out the books this Friday. So it's very exciting for the counting people in the world. But, um, <laughs> and those, the board report that is presented covers all these buckets of money, but I'm going to touch on just the operating funds here tonight, give you an update on uh, a thing that Dr. Fulton just touched on a little bit. So this document was presented to you May, uh, May 13th at our budget workshop. This is the summary fund balance. You've seen this many times in the past. Um, the, the, uh, so the numbers haven't been updated. They're the same as what they were on May 13th. Um, and as you recall, we projected a $1.5 million deficit for the current year that we're in. And I'll give you a good update uh, at the second board meeting in July when we present uh, the notice of publication for next year's budget, and then we can recap the actuals for 1819. Um, at that time, we our beginning balance is $14.2 million, and with the $1.5 million, what we projected, uh, that would take us down about $12.8 million. And then we did a budget workshop and presented our anticipated budget for 1920, and we we're going to operate with a, like a $5.4 million uh, surplus, leaving a, um, well, based on this scenario, it presents about $18.2 million ending balance, but the, again, this does not include any salary increases. As you know, we're under negotiations right now. So the one thing that's happened since May 13th that we like that Dr. Fulton hinted on, um, KSDE did their final calculation for the special education categorical reimbursement rate. They do this every year. It's the same process. Um, however, it didn't go very well this year. We budgeted 
we being all school districts in the state of Kansas, we budgeted on $30,610. The actual number came in at 30085 close to about a $400,000 reduction in revenue for uh, Shining Mission School District. Um, being that late in the year, that comes from fund balance. So we've talked about fund balances in the past. This is another good example of why you have a good, healthy fund balance to absorb uh, revenue losses like that. And then it got worse. So on June 7th, they communicated out to all school districts that instead of using 31136 which was just a very early estimate on the 1920 rate, they said use 29800 So the scenario I presented to you on May 13th was based on 31136 What we'll present to you in July will be based on 29800 So right off the bat, that was a $900,000 swing in special education revenue. Um, it's not good news, but it's early, and hopefully we can mitigate that um, all year long in 1920. And we'll take a look at some of these line items. Um, this is, again, from May 13th. But some of these line items we'll revisit between now and July and see if we can mitigate any of those losses from the categorical aid. Um, some of the items that were, these are things that are already included in our 1920 budget. We always budget about $500,000 for professional growth. Those are the teachers moving across the column. Um, health insurance. Um, still hasn't been decided yet for 1920, but this is costs that that were added this year that rolls forward into 1920. So when we say 59 new employees, that's not new employees, that's 59 employees that joined our health insurance on January 1st. So those things, those items were budgeted and they'll carry forward to next year. 3% increase in transportation, our utilities. Um, one of the things, one positive thing, because we had a great spring, very normal temperatures, we recouped a little bit on our utility costs. So we were a little bit excited about that until we got our special ed news, and then I just kind of wiped that out. But uh, it's always a give and take. Um, so utilities and supplies and services, 1.4 million, and then we had personnel changes of about 1.6 million dollars into our budget for 1920. And there's kind of a list of those that we showed you on May 13th. Dr. Fulton did a good job explaining the Title I where we had to, because of the million dollars in revenue loss, we had to absorb those into the operating funds and then his administrative restructuring kind of offset those costs. We've added uh, four special, well, 13.75 13, 13 total special education staff. That's four teachers. Uh, 8.75 paras, an OT, and a psychologist is in that number. And then the coordinators that he mentioned, a diversity coordinator and performing and, and performing and fine arts coordinator, two additional social social workers, and then we added some pre we added a brand new preschool at Brookwood, so we have some staff there. Um, so that's kind of my recap for tonight. Again, I'll I'll be back July 22nd hopefully with the 1920 budget for your approval to publish in the newspaper, not to adopt. And I'll stand for any questions that you might have. Thank you for the update. Board member questions. Yes, Ms. Owsley. Can you just remind me again what supplies and services are on the line item budget, the increase to supplies and services? The supplies and services? Yeah. I know uh, it's simple. I just can't think of what it is. A lot of those are our maintenance. 
So our maintenance on our softwares, our curriculum instruction, our professional development, those items have increased and are in that budget. Okay, thank you. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Um, just to go back to special ed for a moment, and I'm looking at our legislative platform, and as Dr. Sinclair and Mr. Stratton alluded to, we never stop talking about our legislative platform. And it says support special education services and state funding at the required 92% of excess cost and mitigate the wide variance in reimbursements. Um, and I remember what Dr. Stuart Little said at our last meeting, where this is something that we really haven't um, spent a lot of time on with our legislative platform. Are these numbers different from what you've seen in the past, um, given um, we don't get reimbursed at a, at a high percentage? It just happened last year, if you recall, um, the claims came, so all districts submit their claims mm -hmm. and then they basically just prorate this number out to the pool of money's gone, the, the state appropriation. So last year, um, the same scenario happened. They did not have, the, the, the reimbursement rate was gonna drop considerably and then they used federal dollars at the state level to offset that, they cut it in about half. Um, the last two years have been pretty significant. In the past, a lot of times you might get a little bit, a nugget at the end. Um, you, that rate would increase and you'd get a little more money. Um, but not to this extreme. The last two years have been kind of extreme. And, and, and just to, to clarify, this is the difference in what we were anticipating and we weren't even anticipating 92%. I mean. That's correct. So I want right. to make sure that that's clear. Yeah, we're at about 65%, yeah. our last calculation of, of our China Missions excess cost. So I, I just want, I hope we continue to highlight that and continue to talk about that because I, I think that it's, it's, like you said, it's become really significant, especially in the last two years. Thank you for bringing those numbers tonight. Yep. Thank you. Other board member questions? Can I have one more question? Yes, Mrs. Owsley. So the, the total on the third slide for the current budget assumptions expenditures, that total on the bottom there, the 5.8 million, that's already been subtracted on the first slide of the summary of fund balances before we get to the 5448334 number? Yeah, that's correct. Correct, okay, yes. thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, Mr. Knapp, thank you. appreciate the update. <coughs> uh, we'll now move on to item 2.04. This is our time for public comment. Uh, we have some folks that uh, requested to share some thoughts with us today, so I'll spend a few minutes just reading the reminders for our procedure this evening. Uh, here are a few reminders that will help speakers have a constructive and positive experience when presenting your comments to the board. When making your remarks, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, city of residence, what school or schools your children attend, if that's applicable, and the name of any group or organization you may be representing. Uh, please limit your remarks to three minutes. In consideration of everyone's time, please select a group spokesperson to represent your interests, or you may choose to pass when your name is called if a previous speaker has already expressed your concerns. Written comments or, board, or materials will be accepted and should be given to the clerk of the board for distribution. Please ensure that at least eight copies are provided for distribution. Please make your comments while remaining behind the podium. 
Uh, any complaints regarding student or staff should first be addressed to administration in accordance with Shawnee Mission District Board Policy KN relating to complaints. If that procedure has been completed, the board will consider whether to hear such complaints in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of the students and or the staff involved. And I ask that no staff member or students' names be said aloud in your public comments. If the comments pertain to an item that's on tonight's uh, meeting agenda, the board president may ask the superintendent or his designee to address comments at that time or when the item is up for board discussion later in the meeting. And generally, responses from board members during public comment will be limited to clarifying questions. And with that, we'll invite uh, Heather Mayfield to come forward. Welcome. My name is Heather Mayfield. I live in Overland Park. I have two children in the district, but tonight I'm speaking to you as a teacher at Trowbridge Middle School. Last May, I accepted a position in Shawnee Mission after teaching in a neighboring district. When I decided to make the switch, I knew I would have to make adjustments. I was prepared to double the number of students on my caseload, going from black schedule to traditional schedule. I was prepared to change grade levels and district culture. What I wasn't prepared for was the lack of PLC and team time with my colleagues. In my previous district, our schedule allowed teachers 45 minutes a day, totaling a minimum of 180 minutes a week in team plan and 40 to 120 minutes a week for content or PLC time. Once a month, we had access to a BIST consultant who worked with our team for 45 to 60 minutes. We used this time to develop academic and behavior intervention plans, review SIT plans, take time to develop cross-curricular lessons, analyze data, unpack standards, and conference with students and their parents. It allowed us time each day to check in with each other and to respond quickly to student need. This format allowed us to build meaningful relationships with students and their families and to develop a responsive culture. I need you to hear these numbers again. 180 minutes a week of team plan and 40 to 100 minutes a week of PLC time. This year in Shawnee Mission, we were tasked with the same set of non-negotiables. Develop academic and behavior intervention plans, review set plans, take time to develop cross-curricular lessons and space the scheduling of tests and projects, analyze data, unpack standards, work with students and contact parents. However, with the current teaching load of six out of seven periods, we were expected to complete all of those tasks with 45 minutes a week of team plan and extremely sporadic PLC time. I'm gonna be honest, I spent a lot of this year frustrated. At first I thought it was the growing pains of change, but it wasn't. I was trying to do the same work I'd done previously with one fifth of the plan time. I'd lost over two hours of time a week with my colleagues to do the important work of building culture and supporting relationships with students. Not willing to compromise my standards, the remedy was to find pockets of time beyond my contract day. I sacrificed lunches, stayed late, worked weekends and during holiday breaks, and I'm not the only one. The contract negotiation team was presented with a letter signed by middle school teachers just like me. Middle school teachers who are dedicated and who recognize that their students and their families aren't getting the team approach promised by the term middle school. I speak from personal experience when I say that the current system isn't what's best for anyone. Today the negotiation team learned that this wasn't considered an issue for negotiations, but rather it would be addressed by the strategic plan. 
This is an urgent need that can't be left to chance or future promises. I strongly urge you to make it a priority to begin the work to ensure that the 2020-21 school year begins with teachers teaching five out of seven sections, aligning the workload with the national norm. Give teachers the time they deserve to build relationships and create a responsive culture in our middle schools. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Mayfield. Do any of our board members have any clarifying questions this evening? Honestly. Uh, which district did you come from? KCK. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you very much. We appreciate your comments. Next is uh, Rebecca Coppage. Rebecca. Thank you. My name is Rebecca Coppage. Um, when I talk about the principal, I want to make clear it was uh, my daughter's former principal at her school. As long as you don't mention any names, that'd be great. Thank, Thank you. you. Starting at the beginning of the 2018 school year, my daughter Gabby, who was in third grade, was sexually harassed by a boy in her classroom. This behavior included touching her, forcing kisses on her face, making lewd lip smacking, and licking inanimate objects, and stating that he wished the object were my daughter. We were immediately notified of the first incident by her classroom teacher, who had also called the boy's parents and notified our principal. After several more incidents of sexual harassment, I called the principal to discuss the situation. I made it very clear that I considered the boy's behavior inappropriate and that he was making Gabby very uncomfortable. The following day, there was an incident. The day after that, there were two separate incidents. Gabby notified her principal all three times. I never received any communication from the principal. Um, I asked if it was possible to have the boy moved into the other classroom. She said no, but she did offer to let us move Gabby into the other classroom. The principal told me that she had spoken to Gabby and told her that since she was just ignoring his behavior, which was what the principal had advised her to do, he was not hearing no from her. She would, told Gabby that if she would say no more loudly and strongly, he would stop. A safety plan was eventually put into place for Gabby, but the incidents continued despite the safety plan. A week later, I sent an email to the principal's supervisor. She followed up with a call the next day saying she needed to look into the situation more. Two days later, after three more incidents, I emailed and left phone messages for two people in upper administration. I never received a reply. Four days later, the boy tried to kiss Gabby again. It wasn't until I started saying that I did not get that I was not getting what I needed from them and that maybe I needed to look outside of the school district for help that something was accomplished. The very next Monday, the boy was switched to another class. The boy was moved into the other classroom on the same day that my husband and I agreed to reach out to a lawyer for help. We did not do so. After trying to follow what we would consider the chain of commands, my husband and I were at a loss of how we were supposed to protect our daughter and make her feel safe and comfortable going to school. While I felt compassion for the boy and what he might be going through, it is no excuse for sexually harassing my daughter. We were under the impression there was a zero tolerance policy for sexual harassment in the Shawnee Mission School District. We also very much disliked the idea that the principal placed in my daughter's mind that this harassment had continued because Gabby had not said no loudly or strongly enough. Our daughter excelled in school, has loved school until now, has received SOAR awards at her school, and has been a strong leader in her grades since kindergarten. We struggled to get Gabby to go to school for most of the rest of the year, and she lost her beautiful glow and enthusiasm for school. In addition, we feel much of the responsibility for addressing the harassment was placed back on our daughter, an eight-year-old child. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Do any board members have any clarifying questions? 
this evening. Thank you. Up, uh, Annie Tumlin. Yeah. My name is Annie Tumlin. I live in Overland Park, and I've been a parent at John Deemer Elementary for going on 13 years. I'm here tonight to speak on behalf of several members of the Deemer community, some here in attendance with me. I'd like to start by thanking Dr. Fulton for meeting with myself and another parent on Thursday morning. I followed a chain of command up to Dr. Fulton, and that he agreed to hear our concerns speaks volumes to his commitment to us as parents, and most importantly, to our children. I am ecstatic to say that the issue I brought to him was resolved positively as of this morning. I'm here tonight not for myself, but for the next parent who has an issue. I'm here tonight because it deeply concerns me that it took me speaking with Dr. Fulton to finally feel that my voice was heard, and I do not want my experience forgotten because it has been resolved to my satisfaction. In fact, as I have sought support from others in our Deemer community, I've discovered that my experience was not at all isolated. Many have shared similar stories of being met with force or stonewalling rather than with support surrounding initial decisions made or not made by our former principal and then in the communication with district employees when we tried to further advocate for our children. It concerns me that this chain of command that we trustingly follow to advocate for our kids for some reason has in many instances showed questionably exuberant support for the former principal's decisions. I presented them with the same facts as I did with Dr. Fulton on Thursday. It's very disheartening to feel unheard when seeking support for your kids and we have felt bullied into submission as if we had no choice, many times leading families to give up hope for resolution and in some cases even remove their children out of the school. I'm here tonight because I want our experiences to be heard by the Board of Education. I want to provide information in this setting so that Shawnee Mission School District can build the most supportive and authentic team in our schools and at the district level. To this point, another concern involves the hiring and retention process we have in our school district. A simple Google search and further digging into people and organizations cited in that search shows me that our former principal was removed from two schools for teacher grievances before being hired at Shawnee Mission. Our former principal was removed from our school mid-year without warning or explanation and now looks to be employed at another school in our district though not listed on the staff page or the school website. I am concerned for our teachers and parents at Deemer and at this other school. All of a sudden we have lost several amazing, supportive, loving, and smart teachers who have been with Deemer for several years. I can't help but wonder why when faced with the facts I've shared tonight and I implore you to ask our teachers about our school. Our school environment was drastically different during the former principal's time of leadership and we all shared concerns with each other about poor communication, unfriendly interactions, and ignored requests for support. I can only imagine if students and parents were treated this way, teachers more as well and had an even bigger burden on their shoulders to keep quiet due to their positions of leadership. I have loved Deemer with all my heart and my time here during the 13 years. I have built many wonderful relationships with parents, teachers, and principals, and I'm, I'm proud to represent a school that has been a family to my family. I'm here asking you to look deeper into allowing our school all that it has the potential to be by asking the tough questions to those who have endured hardships at the, in the past year. I'm also grateful for our new principal, and as we have already seen a huge positive chain, change, we look forward to many years of his leadership. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate your comments. Any board members have any clarifying questions this evening? Thank you again for being here. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Next is uh, Kathy Haberger. Thank you. 
Uh, this uh, comments are uh, in regards to the revised school board policy involving student publications. My name is Kathy Habiger. I live in Lenexa. My daughter is on the yearbook staff at Shawnee Mission West. I'm also here representing the Kansas Scholastic Press Association, a state organization that provides support and education to student journalists and their teachers. The, pr the proposed revised policy raises concern about the protections for student First Amendment rights under the Kansas Student Publications Act, a state law passed in 1993. Although the recent settlement between the district and the ACLU called for an update, of the school policies regarding the rights of student journalists. The proposed revision removes much of the protections guaranteed by the state law and replaces them with troubling exceptions. While the state law protects students from being censored solely because of the controversial material, the proposed revision states, and I quote, that retains the right of the district to exercise control over student publications and activities that appear to represent the school and its students, such as with student publications. It also says the district and school may limit controversial subjects if the district and school is representing the speech, such such as with student publications. This is deeply concerning, especially since the state law in Section 3A states that the liberty of the press in student publications shall be protected, material shall not be suppressed solely because it contains a political or controversial subject matter. The proposed policy further outlines specific instances in which the district could censor material. However, previous student rights cases and the state law have already established the extent to which a district can exercise control over student speech. The state law encourages the practice of responsible journalism by students, and the teachers in this district teach all of their students those rights and responsibilities in accordance with the state law. Any policy the district approves should do the same. Given that the proposed policy seems to invite further censorship to student publications rather than clarify the student's journalist rights as protected by state law, it almost seems like with this policy the district would be asking for another lawsuit against them, almost certainly increase negative attention and pressure from the media and other organizations. Due to these reasons, I would ask that the proposed board policy be removed from consideration by the board until a district administration can receive training on students' First Amendment rights, which is also part of the ACLU settlement. A policy needs to be created that would remain consistent with the protections provided student journalists within the Kansas law and should also be created with the input of the district journalism instructors. The five Shawnee Mission High Schools have that arguably the strongest journalism programs in the nation as evidenced by state, local, and national awards they win every year. They are the leaders that other schools and districts follow across this country. If approved, the proposed policy revisions could jeopardize that reputation as well as the reputation of this school district throughout the state and the nation. Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate your being here. Any board members have any clarifying questions? Mrs. Owsley. Yeah, um, so is your main concern the clause? This is the first night that it's here and it's the first reading, so we're not voting on it tonight. Great. But um, is your main concern the clause in um, the one with the student press that says the district retains the right to exercise down at the end, that clause right there? That would be probably the biggest one. That's the biggest one. Yeah. So, if you were to recommend a change, it would be to strike that clause. Right. I mean, much of the current policy has already been struck. Like, it doesn't seem to me this is a revision of the policy. It's a completely new policy. If you look at it, it's all struck out. But that, that right. was particularly... Right. I see particularly... that the other is struck out. But mm -hmm. with the main body here, mm -hmm. if you were to update what's available... Would removing that clause address your concerns with the new policy? Um, most of them, yes. It just, uh, and, and also that they, uh, if you keep, is that the further, I don't have the exact wording in front of me, but and that the district has limit controversial subjects by the district, like that the students couldn't cover th something just because it was controversial. That to me is also a violation of the state law. Did you provide that in writing? 
to the board by any chance? Um, we were, I actually was uh, privy to a letter that the four other executive board members on the KSPA sent to the board this morning. Okay. Um, and then all of this sort of came about at the last minute, so we decided to come out today and just give this. But I can give this written report to you all. I just didn't have it kind of short notice tonight, so I don't have a written, I don't have it written down and printed for you. I got, I got the email this morning. I read through that. Um, it would just be useful to have it, whatever your recommended changes were, to have it in writing okay. as the policies considered. That'd be terrific. Should we just copy Can an you email just to, give it to, Terry? to give it to right. Terry? That'd be yeah, terrific. That'd be great. Yeah. We'd appreciate it if you listen. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Okay, I'm good. Thank you. Any other board members with clarifying questions? This is an item that's on the agenda, so I'll turn to Dr. Fulton if there's any additional comments beyond what you made earlier. No, I just want to make sure. Thank you for sharing your comments. Just make sure you send them to um, Mrs. Wintering, and uh, that's exactly the kind of feedback we need. Be as specific as you can, because that will help us as we go through the review, because I think what we're after is the same thing. So okay, great. Thank you. We'll work on that. Appreciate that. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, next up is Grace Altoven. Thank you. Hello, my name is Grace Altenhoven and I live in Shawnee. This May, I graduated from Shawnee Mission North High School. A little over a year ago, I stood at this very podium to tell you about issues that arose during the National School Walkout Against Gun Violence on April 20, 2018. The walkout in North was planned by a group of student organizers who were censored by school administrators and prohibited from mentioning school shootings or gun violence during the protest. As a result, some students felt their voices were not being heard and broke off into a secondary protest after the original school-sanctioned event was over. Student journalists attempted to document this protest by taking photos. However, an administrator yelled to them to go inside and confiscated the camera of one photojournalist when she continued taking photos. Having witnessed these blatant violations of the First Amendment and Kansas Student Publications Act, I gave a speech at the next board meeting asking if these issues be addressed. When they were not addressed, I became a plaintiff in an ACLU lawsuit against the school district that eventually ended with a settlement agreement this spring. Two of the eight terms of the settlement agreement, which is open to the public, read, Defendant SMSD shall adopt a policy for non-curricular student-organized events occurring on campus that prohibits administrators from redirecting or shaping the contents of student speeches out of a desire to avoid controversy. And defendant SMSD shall adopt a policy that prohibits administrators from banning or otherwise excluding student journalists from on-campus events that are otherwise open to the student body. Before you tonight, in action items 5.01 and 5.02 are the district's proposed drafts of these policies. I do not believe that these proposed policies are in compliance with the settlement agreement. While some phrases within the policy drafts reflect what was agreed to in the settlement, other proposed phrases were never mentioned in the settlement agreement and are far overreaching, providing an easy pathway to further censorship on the part of the district. The new policy appears to restrict student journalists even more, stating, the district retains the right to exercise control over publications and activities that appear to represent the school and its students. This language is extremely vague and subjective and could be interpreted as a loophole through which the district could further censor student publications. Another line reads, in part, the district slash school may limit controversial subject, subjects if the district slash school is sponsoring the speech, such as with student publications, if the content would substantially disrupt the ability of the district slash school to perform its educational mission. The phrase disrupt the educational mission is far more broad and open-ended than the phrase disrupt normal school activity addressed in the Kansas Student Publications Act and could therefore be interpreted to give schools in the district more leeway in which they could choose to censor. 
Additionally, the fact that the language specifically targets controversial topics seems to provide administrators with justification for censoring potentially controversial material, which is protected under Section 3A of the 1992 Kansas Student Publications Act. I believe the proposed policies, as written, will harm student journalists far more than it will help them. The ACLU attorneys have asked for a legal counsel, and I'm asking you tonight to remove the policy drafts from the agenda until our respective counsels can work together to revise them to reflect what was agreed upon in the settlement. The future of student journalists' rights and Shawnee Mission depends on it. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Appreciate that. Any board members have clarifying questions this evening? Dr. Fulton, would you like to uh, respond? Now, just the same, if you can please make sure and share those comments with Terry Wintering, then we'll have that as documentation, and I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. And thank you to all who came forward today. We appreciate the comments. Thank you for being here. With that, it wraps, wraps up the uh, public comment section, and we now move on to item 3.01, which is our discussion items. The first one is a presentation on KISA. Dr. Fulton. Yes, and I'm going to uh, turn it over. I'm not sure who's doing the, <laughs> who's going to lead the presentation here, but we're going to give you an update on where we are with our uh, Kansas accreditation process. This is a required presentation, but more importantly, it's something that's important, not only to our, our work as we work on uh, accreditation in the state of Kansas, but also it directly ties into the next presentation on strategic planning. Very good. Good evening. Thank you very much. We appreciate this opportunity to uh, update you on the KISA process. Dr. Dennis and I are going to tag team the slides, um, and so we would just like to um, provide you with information, and we are happy to answer any questions that you may have at any time throughout these, um, this presentation. So this first slide shows that um, the process of KISA, and as you know, KISA stands for Kansas Education Systems Accreditation, and it's a five-year process. And as you probably remember from the update last year about this time, we were wrapping up the end of year one, and the focus for year one was really about analyzing our data and participating in what the, they call the district needs assessment, and that happened at each building as well as at the district level, and that's where we identified what our two are areas we're going to be, which you've heard mentioned several times already this evening, which are relationships and responsive culture. So the work that we transitioned into for year two continued looking at that data and looking at our student academic data as well as our social emotional um, factors and things that are a priority within the district to determine what our goals and action plans were going to be. And then as we transition into beginning the year of, of the, the beginning of year three, that's where we will um, support the implementation of the district strategic plan with that being the outline of the district goals and um, action plans. The KISA process has built um, as part of it a number of opportunities for people to give input and feedback uh, to the school and to the district. And a lot of those opportunities are, are listed here in this alphabet soup slide. We've got a lot of different acronyms, which is how you know this is a professional organization, professional education organization that put this together. Um, at the building level, there are opportunities for both students and for uh, staff to give, pres uh, to give feedback, uh, as well as for parents and business representatives and community patrons. The same is also true at the district level. Uh, we have a district leadership team and a district site council that have been put together as part of the KISA process. 
in addition to that, we have an outside visiting team, a team that that meets with us on an annual basis. They provide feedback to us. They, they monitor our progress. They look at our data. They, they come and report to us and sit down for the day. Uh, and then they provide a report to the state. At the state level, uh, the team there is called the ARC, or the Accreditation Review Council. And they are the team that eventually collects those reports and then makes a recommendation on accreditation to the state, uh, state Board of Education. I would also want to note here that under the KISA system, and this is new, that we are accredited as a system, as a district, rather than as separate schools. As Dr. Dennis alluded, there's been a lot of stakeholders involved in this process throughout the year, and those are those groups that he just went over. And the primary objectives that the district was charged with meeting for um, regarding Keese's obligations for year two is the first thing is we're asked every year to review and address any issues that we may have with compliance or foundational structures. We are very pleased to report to you that we currently have no issues. Um, we are currently in compliance with everything that the state um, requires, so that is very good news. And you're going to see some of those acronyms here, but each school has a BLT or a building leadership team, and they were charged with, um, and that was the teachers, educators, and principals, and key stakeholders at the building level that were charged with looking at their data more closely and analyzing it to determine what their needs are and then selecting or identifying goals in those areas and then developing an action plan to show how they will carry out meeting those goals over the next three years as we continue through the five-year process. The district leadership team is made up of teachers at all levels across all contents from all of our feeder areas, including um, content teachers, uh, core teachers, elective teachers, library media specialists, um, ELO, special education, social workers, counselors, and principals. And this group of dedicated professionals meets quarterly um, throughout the school year to, to come uh, review and do the things that the KISA plan requires. And their primary task this year was to look at each and every school plan and uh, goals and action plan and to provide feedback on those plans. So we took this large group of educators and gave them the charge of working collaboratively in smaller groups to review each school's plan using a rubric that we provided that outlined the essential elements that we wanted to make sure were consistent and apparent in every school's plan. And these dedicated DLT members reviewed those plans and provided feedback and gave suggestions on how even some of those plans could be improved. Then they were also involved in making sure they understood how the system was developing our goals and action plans, which really translates into the work of the strategic planning um, process that the district is undergoing. So that really had more to do with us making sure that we were communicating along the way with those members on how these things were connected. And then we want to we reviewed the results and progress towards making sure we're meeting the state goals. And that was probably evidence, you'll remember, the um, student success report as well as the academic program evaluation. The, all the data that was compiled earlier this year and shared with the board is part of that process is how we were reviewing our data and making sure that we were meeting those state board goals and keeping that definition of a successful high school graduate in mind. And then we were charged with making 
sure our site councils were updated at both the building level as well as that district site council that Dr. Dennis referenced. And then we're actually completing the last bullet tonight as we stand before you to update you as our local governing body on the process and the work that's been done so far. A little bit more information about what those goal plans or the action plans uh, contain. They, um, as Kim said, every school completed one and we provided some guidance at the beginning of the school year about what those plans should contain. Uh, they should uh, contain information about, it should be student focused, uh, student outcome focused. Uh, we're very interested in, in moving the needle on student achievement. And that needed to be written in a SMART goal format, so uh, specific, measurable, uh, attainable, relevant, and time-bound. We were looking for specific indicators as well about uh, how they would implement the plan in order to achieve those goals over a five-year period because the plan runs through 2022. They were also asked through their local uh, building plan to address the two goal areas that, that Kim referenced, responsive culture and relationships, the ones that were identified through the uh, district process. Um, we also asked them to include uh, a plan for how they would address uh, student achievement through uh, assessments. They needed to address what they were going to do with assessment measures. They needed to show, for example, that they, not just that they were growing, but how they compared with other schools. Uh, so a normative uh, growth, rather, normative rather than growth um, report. And these uh, were then reviewed. The, those criteria that I just went over were, they formed the rubric that the district leadership team used in reviewing individual building plans throughout the school year. Uh, this graphic is, is, I'm sure, um, not new to you. This is the Kansas Vision for Education, and it starts out at the beginning with that definition of the successful high school graduate, and all districts are charged with meeting all these components. You're going to see a lot of similarities between what is on this graphic and some of the components that you're going to see in the draft of the strategic plan that you're going to look at later. Um, but this really highlights that, you know, you see the four R areas, and we've already talked about the two that we're focusing on, but that doesn't mean that we ignore the rigor and relevance. We need to hit those as well. The five blue boxes in the middle are those state board outcomes or goals that we referenced, which is making sure we're focusing on social emotional learning, that we are uh, making sure our kindergartners are kinder ready, kindergarten readiness, that we're implementing our individual plans of study, and that we're um, make, focusing on post high school graduation rate and continuing to monitor that and put things in place to help our graduates not, or our students not only graduate, but most importantly is that last box that they're actually successful beyond high school, so that post-secondary success. And of course, this document you're familiar with and is, is coming up on the agenda tonight. When the Strategic Planning Committee began its work, they weren't presented, I understand, with the KISA model. But in the work that, that has come out of the strategic planning process, there are very strong parallels and connections between KISA and our strategic plan. And so we wanted to highlight a few of those for you tonight. We sat down with the district leadership team and actually with the district site council uh, in the pro uh, through the course of the year and asked them this question too. And so these. Um, points were items that they found themselves as they looked through and found parallels in the in the documents. So the five R's Kim just referenced 
uh, rigor, relevance, relationships, responsible culture, responsive culture, and of course results. Our, that's the foundation that Keese is built on that makes sense uh, given the, the Kansas Can document that, that Kim just referenced. But they're also, as she said, referenced um, through our KISA process. Um, we also know that social-emotional needs are important uh, and, and really emphasized in our strategic plan as well as the academic needs. The state refers to individual plans of study. Our document talks about personalized learning, but it all is about meeting the, the individual needs of students uh, through this process. We know how important student stakeholder engagement is, and we've seen that uh, throughout the, the strategic planning process as it played out over the last several months. Uh, we've seen an, an emphasis on, on civic engagement. And uh, there's a strong emphasis. We, we're responsible under KISA and under the state's guidance to, for the first couple of years after students graduate. We monitor that and we're responsible for how students are doing. Uh, and, we, and through the strategic planning process as well, there's an emphasis on having students ready for success in life. So although these connections uh, may have been largely unplanned, they are very striking nonetheless. And this slide is basically a summary of the feedback that we received from the OVT, which is that outside visiting team. The focus of that meeting or that um, visit was to ha engage in collaborative conversations with colleagues outside of our school system um, to learn and to share our school improvement story. And so each year the OVT chair has to file an annual report with KSDE. And this is kind of a summary of their findings and that they shared with us both th um, through that report as well as part of that visit. And as I said earlier, we're pleased that we have met all of the foundational and compliance structures. They said there was strong evidence and stakeholder teams have been formed and are actively engaged. That there was strong evidence that we're using data to base our decisions to identify and target those goals and those student outcomes. Some celebrations that they were um, wanted to share or things that we should be really proud of is they were very complimentary of the cohesive, cohesive work that through the strategic planning process Process we've done to engage a variety of stakeholders in that process. There's evidence of strong civic and social engagement and a commitment to that throughout our schools. Our students have opportunities to um, develop their talents through the arts and cultural appreciation, and they were very complimentary of the expansions that we're making to programming, such as adding the AP capstone program, as well as continuing to look at our career and technical education offerings and programs and expanding that. And then we were very pleased to see that the recommendations that they would like us to consider as we move from year two into year three aligned so closely with the work that's coming right out of that strategic strategic plan, um, including continuing that focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, continuing to make sure all students have access to a rigorous and relevant curriculum and, and the core curriculum, making sure we continue to extend that focus and that work and developing relationships within and among our school communities. And then lastly, they encourage us to think about how we would want to um, proceed with data analysis because as we move forward with monitoring these goals, Goals, whether it be through the KISA's process or more importantly monitoring what we're implementing as part of the strategic plan, that there's going to be a need to have some more robust data analytics at our fingertips and so to be cognizant of how we want to document and monitor that as we move through the process. And then just lastly, their closing remarks were where we 
were right where we need to be at the end of year two, and we have a strong and steady um, transition into year three, and they were very complimentary of all the work. And as we said, this isn't our work. This work was done at the school level by our teachers and our, our principals. So we just get to share it with you, but really it's the fruit of all their labor that made this possible. Do you have any questions for us? Thank you. Any board member questions? Just one, and that's the post-secondary success rate that, that you mentioned there. It's two years out from graduation. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you monitor that or how you collect that data. A lot of that is through the National Clearinghouse data, uh, and we get a report from KSDE every year that tracks the last five years, five or six, five or six. Uh, <clears throat> growth post-graduation. Great. Dr. Sinclair. Um, I um, listen more about the report and particularly as you're talking about the relationship between the KISA accreditation component and the strategic plan and where those are aligning. Um, can um, I think more about how critical the role of site councils will be in really bringing to life the strategic plan and pro continuing to provide that um, feedback um, within their local school community all the way you know, up through to the uh, board, can you? What do you see as kind of some of those critical roles that the site council is playing? If you're talking to people who um, might not be serving or might be interested in serving on the site council, what what do you see that those the role of that site council evolving into? Sorry, I'm not articulating that question very well, but no, that is very um, that is a big part of the KISA process in that it's the way that they engage the stakeholders. And as we've started, we have seen a refined renewal of our um, focus for our site councils. There's still an area of improvement. Um, we're, we're better than we were, but we can still get better um, with making sure that we're focusing that around that. But really, it's the avenue of the members in the community, and those site councils should represent the diversity of that school community. Should include um, parents, obviously, but also school and uh, school staff, but more outside, like external stakeholders than internal and should include business partners and students when appropriate and possible and it really should be about ongoing conversations about what's going on in your school and how we're monitoring what we have in place as part of KISA and the district um, strategic plan and monitoring those processes that we have in place and giving that feedback and, may, and giving us feedback to know when and if we need to make any adjustments into things. So it's, it's a way for their voice to be heard um, and it really should all align with what they've got in you know, the strategic plan and what we're working on as a district. So it, it should help with communication, but it also should be a way for them to advocate for what's best for our kids. Anything to add? I, I think you hit um, the important points. It's it's about transparency and making sure that the data is owned by the school community and that they collectively work to improve um, student learning. Can I follow that up mm -hmm. with? And so one of the recommendations from the the external kind of evaluators um, or the OVTs was kind of encouraging the data warehouse software, kind of really building mm -hmm. that data store. Have you heard, have the site councils, folks from the site councils been talking or asking about any particular additional data points that would help them? Do you, is that part of the conversation? Is that happening at the site council level, what they're looking for to be able I, to? I can't speak to the site council level. Kim, you may have more information on that than I do. I can tell you at an administrative level, teacher level, 
PLC level, mm -hmm. there is very definitely a need for, uh, we've got a lot of data, but having it in a, in a system that we can manage and get information out of and, and make meaning out of and to be more efficient, mm -hmm. there's a real critical need there. And mm -hmm. I would just say that um, I have attended the district site council meetings, which are representatives of our building site council, and they are constantly asking about data and wanting access to data. So I would, taking that experience, I would assume that would um, transfer out to the building site councils as well. But I'm not intricately involved in those meetings. All right. Thank you. Appreciate all the work. Other questions from board members? Could you clarify for me, and maybe you said it, and I just missed it, so what comprises the outside visiting team, the, the OVT? Okay, so every OVT has a chair. Our chair is Dr. Dole, who uh, is currently a professor at Kansas State, former Lawrence superintendent. Um, and so we have him as our chair, and then we have additional members that represent both building, like building principals, um, SPED coordinator, uh, district level, higher ed. Hi and higher ed, so all university. All outside the district. All outside, and they're about... Seven. Six I think seven. six were only here this year, but I think right. our team is actually seven um, strong. And they are committed for five years, for the five-year process. So they were here in year one. They came back this year for year two. And um, barring some unforeseen you know, experience situation, they'll be on our team for the remaining um, cycle of the visit. And it really is that. It's, it's accountability, but it's also um, modeling, if you will, the collaboration that happens in PLCs in that it's cross-district collaboration on, well, have you heard about this? We had that same challenge. Here's some things that uh, I've seen in other districts that I am serving on or in my district. So, so it's not just an opportunity for us to share with them, but we also receive a lot of right. good information and um, best practice ideas and things to consider through the process. So it really is two-way. I think, yeah, they can be objective because they don't, they don't have a stake necessarily in our data. They right. can give right. us honest feedback. And you might have just said it, but do we have members of our staff team that are on OBTs other places? Yes, yes. we do. Okay. Um, How does that selection process happen? Just more curiosity. Than um, you can volunteer, essentially. There's some state-level training that you need to do to be part of a team, and then some additional training to be a chair. So you can go through that training, and then um, I'm on the Leavenworth team, for example. They, they just called and said, would you be interested? Okay, great. Thanks. Just wondered. Yeah. Anyone else? Thank you for the presentation. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, now on to item 3.02, and this is the presentation of the strategic plan. Dr. Fulton and team. Well, good evening. Good evening. We're past the, uh, the monthly update, aren't we? <laughs> We're here to bring the plan forward to you. Now, it's my pleasure to present to you the strategic plan. Joining me in presenting this evening are, in order of presentation, Laura Robinson Parent, Ray Royal, teacher, Brenda Garcia, student, and Ryan Flurry, principal. We also want to recognize the 180 volunteers who served on the steering committee and the action planning teams, and we ask for those members who are present tonight to please stand. It is summer, so <laughs> people are busy, so I really appreciate everyone who came out tonight for that. Well, I also want to rec take a moment and just recognize uh, Dr. Michelle Hubbard and David Smith, who worked tirelessly behind the scenes 
to help all of our participants successfully complete their tasks. They were the ones doing the organization, the background, they helped us get our work done. So thank you for all of your work. This year, Shawnee Mission undertook the development of a five-year strategic plan. The plan builds on past work and is designed to serve as a roadmap for our district through the 2023-24 school year. The strategic planning process was intentional about directly supporting the Kansas CAN vision as set forth by the Kansas State Department of Education and the AKISA accreditation process. This year, we engaged in dialogue around the notion of identifying an aspirational North Star. It's normal in our lives and in institutions, whether public or private, to allow daily routines and ways of thinking to guide our behaviors. There's nothing wrong with that. Even as we recognize that change is a normal part of personal and organizational growth and development. In this planning process, we set about acknowledging our many strengths while also recognizing that if our students are to be prepared for their future, we need to build on current practice in ways that help every student be a successful learner. During this process, we used the class of 2030, next year's second graders, as a focal point for us to reflect on what is needed going forward. We want to make sure that the class of 2030, and indeed every class, is prepared for their future, a future that's not yet invented. Going forward, it is critical that we engage as a community to ensure our learning design meets their needs. The strategic planning process intentionally engages our community in designing and building the future of Shawnee Mission School District. This year, we brought together staff, students, parents, and community members to engage in helping us to develop the strategic plan. As you can see in the engagement pyramid, we reached out to our community and staff with thought exchange, as well as other strategies, to, to ask for their thoughts on what skills they believe the class of 2030 needed for their success. We also brought together school site councils and building leadership team members to participate in a rollout of the strategic planning process and also participate in thought exchange. That was a powerful event as we saw 46 schools come together as one. These activities were part of a timeline that was published and adhered to throughout the process. The steering committee, which you see here, was provided a framework to guide their dialogue and they define the content. You can see we had a very diverse uh, team of, on our steering committee, staff, students, parents, community members, representing all five attendance areas in our district. The same was true for the action planning teams. And so as the steering committee members started their work, they were provided with this framework. It was their framework, but the content was to be filled out 
by the steering committee and the action planning teams. As a result of that process, we began to put words to paper and through a lot of thought, dialogue, we produced not a perfect plan, but a plan that guides our thinking for our future. And so taking it from that point is Laura Robinson who's going to please talk about our beliefs. Good evening. The first task we were assigned when we met together as the steering committee was to identify and write the beliefs we had as a district. And I think something that's important to note is that while there was a lot of discussion about the language and we tinkered with it a little bit, we really did come together seamlessly um, with the content of these beliefs. And so these truly do represent our community's values. Here are our final belief statements. Every individual has inherent worth and deserves to be valued and celebrated. A community's strength is derived from its diversity. Respecting a community's diversity and each individual's dignity demands equitable access. A thriving community meets the basic physical, social, and emotional needs of its members. Safe and caring relationships are essential for learning and growth. Acknowledged and appreciated individuals confidently engage and collaborate. Individuals of all abilities and experiences can achieve personal excellence. Ownership empowers each person to ignite their future. Effective communication is truthful, genuine, reciprocal, and respectful. Now I will turn it over to Ray Royal to share our mission and parameters. All right, um, the next part of our process was to build our mis mission statement that would clearly define who we are and what we do. We worked on this over our two and a half day workshop. Our mission statement is, the mission of the Shawnee Mission School District, the bridge to unlimited possibilities yet to be discovered, is to ensure students construct their own foundation for success in life's endeavors through relevant, personalized learning experiences, orchestrated by talented, compassionate educators, and distinguished by an inclusive culture, an engaged community, and robust opportunities that challenge learners to achieve their full potential. We then worked on our parameters. The parameters were created to give us and everyone working on the strategic plan guidelines on how decisions are made and how we put our strategic plan into action. Our parameters include, we will make decisions with primary focus on what is best for our students' success in life. We will honor our diversity and treat each person with dignity and respect. We will practice responsible stewardship of all our resources and partner with our community to leverage success. We will not compromise our commitment to academic excellence. We will recognize and incorporate our traditions of excellence and build our vision for the future upon their solid foundation. Next is Brenda Garcia to share our objectives. Hi. Okay, so before developing our strategies, we established our objectives. Objectives are the main idea to give us focus to what we want to do. This is the direction we are all collectively heading, and it gives us a common language. Firstly, every student will achieve academic success through a challenging, relevant, personalized learning plan. 
Next, every student will develop and utilize personal resilience while mastering essential competencies that lead to college and career readiness. And lastly, every student will develop interpersonal skills to be an engaged, empathetic member of the local and global community. And now I will let Dr. Fleury share our strategies. I'd like to say first from the members of the team that are here, it was an amazing experience we went through that Dr. Fulton and the team led us through during the strategic planning process. Uh, using the objectives that Brenda just reviewed, five strategies were developed by the steering committee. They are, we will reimagine teaching and learning to guarantee relevant opportunities for personalized learning experiences. We will relentlessly create a fully unified, equitable, and inclusive culture. We will create the climate to cultivate quality educators so they flourish in pursuit of our mission. We will design systems that support our beliefs, mission, and objectives. We will strategically focus resources to support state-of-the-art facilities to accomplish our beliefs, mission, and objectives. Five action teams were each assigned one strategy. This is an example of the template used by the action teams to outline specific and measurable action steps. Some strategies have several action plans. This will serve as our roadmap to follow our progress. This concludes our presentation. Does anyone have any questions we can answer for you? Board member questions? Yes, Dr. Sinclair, go ahead. Um, thank all the members try that again. Thank you for all the members of the steering committee and the action planning teams for really investing so much energy and spirit into developing this plan. I'm a big believer in stakeholder input and to me this is um, this approach to developing and revising our strategic plan just um, I think speaks to the direction and future of our district. Um, one of the pieces I think that became very clear in the process is there was a lot of deliberation around the words and the phrases that went into the mission, the vision, the objectives. Um, so if you could, I'm not sure who the question is for, just maybe um, specifically, but just speak a little bit more to the process. And because that's really, I think, as a board member, what we're voting on today. We're voting on kind of that, you know, the, the product and the process that really got us here. So um, one of the kind of one of the questions is, um, do you feel like the three objectives really capture the essence of the mission statement, of the belief, of the parameters? If we're really kind of, does that make sense? Like in, in just how much was invested in really articulating even the belief statement? Do you feel like those three objectives are really capturing that? So, so before we start answering, we have a strategy here. The experts will respond to the question, uh -huh. but if in doubt, they'll default to me, okay? okay? So other than that, just feel free to step up and respond. Um, one of the things that I liked the most about this process is that they would pose um, questions, you know, what are your beliefs, what are things that we are not willing to negotiate, and we would break into small groups and deliberate with the people in our assigned small group. And then we would come full circle and share out what we came up with. And I think that's what Laura was saying, is that there was no question about what our community very much strongly believed in. Um, she was also very spot on in that the verbiage was very 
particular and very debated. Um, so from, from deciding what we wanted that to look like, we then broke into more small groups where they stayed maybe a little bit after to discuss what that wording would look like. Um, and the following morning it would be presented to the remaining people who were not part of that small group. From there, the entire group pointed out, I don't really care for this one word or what if we reorganize this sentence structure or um, I don't really think this is getting across what we want it to say or is that redundant? Um, and so we would change it again. And then later in the afternoon, a different small group, not the one from the previous day, would then again tackle those words and tackle what we wanted it to say. And then the following day for the final time we presented it and everyone again had the opportunity to say, yeah, I really think that is what we're, we want this to say or no, it's not. So I think that kind of gives a little bit more insight into what the process itself looked like, if that answers your question. Yeah, um, and I don't, yes, thank you. I'm just, I, I think it would be challenging to drill all those pieces down to three objectives. I mean, as I'm reading through them, I find that I can, I can take each of those objectives and find it in the mission statements, but you all lived this in a much greater level of intensity than I have being outside the process. So I appreciate, I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that. I appreciate hearing from you all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, as a student, I had no idea what I was being asked to do. <laughs> um, I heard strategic plan, steering committee, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. Mr. Lowe asked me, of course I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so here I was, and everyone was throwing out a bunch of words that I may or may not have known what they meant, and a bunch of acronyms and everything, and I felt like they were really giving us a place to, even though they had all these, you know, nuts and bolts, as they call it, going around, they were really giving us students to a place to kind of be focused and be in the planning process. And these objectives, as I'm looking through them, every student, every student, every student, it really made all of us five students in the room feel like, yes, this is our district working for us and these objectives will achieve academic success It's school. We want to be achieving that academic success. We'll develop and utilize personal resilience. We know that school teaches us all the math, science, basics and stuff, but we, as we're growing, we want to reach that personal resilience. We want to grow as a person. And then we'll develop interpersonal skills. We are seeing that we are so going to be needing these interpersonal skills in our future, in our career, or in our post-secondary education. And so I feel like these three objectives really focus in on us, the students, and lay out the, ground, the groundwork for all of our upcoming success. Thank you. Appreciate that. The board members. Just as a reminder, so this is the, uh, the presentation, and then we'll be taking action later on in the meeting. But right now, this is your opportunity. Other questions? Yes, Mrs. Ela. I would just make a comment after your comments there. It's like uh, someone had told me, and I don't know who it was, if they were on the steering committee or whatever, but they said the students gave incredible input. So thank you for that time that you unwittingly gave to all of this, and it was a, it's a wonderful product that you were a part of. So, And I don't mean to diminish the rest of you, too, but it's... I, yeah, I, I, that's what I heard, so thank you so much for your input. We appreciate that. Some reverend guy turned on her microphone, yeah. <laughs> so she gets to go next. 
Um, being a part of the steering committee was a great experience, a great opportunity to work with these people and many others. Um, and it was, it, it was, there were just ideas back and forth all across the room. And when we were done, the document that we had, I realized was not a document I would have written by myself. Um, but I think that's a good thing because it's not just my plan. It really is the voices of the district in this plan. And so there's fingerprints. I can, it's fun to go through and say, oh, I suggested that word or I suggested <laughs> that word. But, but all of it came together from all the many voices. So um, I, I'm really happy that we have this document that has so many fingerprints on it that's gonna set the course for us. Uh, Dr. Fulton, will you please speak to what's next? I know a lot of people are uh, wondering about the action plans. When do we expect to see them rolled out? Who's gonna be responsible for rolling them out? All of those kinds of nuts and bolts things. Yeah, thank you. Um, that once approved, we'll begin to put details to the action steps that are in the plan. Each strategy has an assistant superintendent or the deputy superintendent assigned to it. And then within the specific action plan under those strategies, there is a staff member, an administrator assigned to oversee the implementation of those action steps. There are some action steps that are gonna require processes. We'll need to bring defined groups of people together in some cases, that may be teachers. In other cases, it may be engaging site councils with some of the ideas and, and, and still others. We may need to bring together district-wide committees. We will start to work on that here in the next uh, month or two so that we can uh, address those issues, but also do so in a way that paces out the work. Everything in the plan is important. But if we try to do everything all at once, we'll get buried under the weight of the activity. And so we're coming up with a, you, you can see this in the plan now, but we're coming up with some other visuals that will help to illustrate what, which action steps will be addressed and in what order. So there's a lot of work to do. Uh, some of it will get started next year. Other things will wait till the following year and still other things maybe three years out. Having a starting date uh, means we get the work going. When we actually get done with that specific action step will depend on the nature of the work. As an example, when we're working on curriculum and assessment issues, some of the work identified in the plan is already taking place. We'll continue to work on that next year, but you know what? We'll still be working on it five years from now. Other things are more defined in terms of their time frame. Maybe it's a specific issue that we want to address, and so we put a task force together next year, begin to research the issue in depth, and then have a, a point in time in which we uh, report that out. So that's the next step. Now, it's, it's really critical to note that next year we will bring site councils together again in one place so that we can begin to engage site councils in the strategic plan. They can think about how the strategic plan applies to their context in their school and they can be part of implementing 
the, uh, the mission, the beliefs, the parameters, and very importantly, the objectives of the strategic plan so that we can have good building-based work going on as well as district-level work. Are, aren't we also planning on having the steering committee uh, gather together once a year to see how the progress is going? We will. Okay. We, once a year, the steering, thank you for bringing that up. Once a year, the steering committee will meet, will review progress on the plan. You know, this is not just a checklist. Uh, our intent is to take those objectives and make them come alive. We're going to measure our progress through the use of data, which means we're going to have to identify benchmarks. What are we actually, how are we going to measure the objectives? We, we want to look at not just where we're at, but how we grow over the next five years uh, on each of those objectives. And so there's still a lot of work to be done on the metrics that go with the plan. But that's, that's part of the work, checking process, but also checking outcomes that the steering committee will be involved in. I, I'll also add this, and we will provide on some sort of a regularly scheduled basis updates to the board. And as we do those, they also become updates to the community. We'll have to decide on the frequency of that. Clear. I have another process kind of related question. Um, part of the um, strategic planning process, and my, I just got logged out of my notes here, um, that um, some of the work, particularly in the action planning teams perhaps, was, um, was informed by, um, as the process was defined, district, some information about the district, student outcome data, community input from the surveys, um, research, relevant research. Um, so can anybody provide an example of how that district data or research or the community surveys that were conducted, how did that inform the action? Just an example of how that informed the, um, the work of the action planning teams. I'm going to have Dr. I'm going to have Dr. Hubbard come up because okay. she was involved in look and kind of watching this unfold in all of the action planning Great. teams. Thank you. I just want to clarify. So the surveys that went out, how did the action teams use that data? Right. I mean, of, of the different data that was brought to the action planning teams. It can be the surveys or research. Just how did that inform the, how was that inform the process? Okay. The um, community surveys that went out, we shared those results with action teams. I believe, I have action team members here. I believe it was the second meeting when they came back, right before they started creating their action plans. Um, I will tell you, we had, we had a lot of data. However, we didn't have a lot of data per school. I mean, when you added everyone's together, it, it was a large chunk of data. I think we had, David, do you remember 1,500 responses? Does that sound right? Yeah, but when you broke it out by school, we wouldn't have even been able to share many schools because we had such limited numbers in individual schools. So overall, we did share that data with those action teams, and um, they shared them. The facilitators and the facilitators then indeed shared them with action teams. You? <coughs> yes, Mrs. Mack. I just went, this, this is the time period for questions, correct? Yes. And then we can, oh. I thought I, I'm on. Okay, lean in. There you go. Lean in. Um, this is the time for questions, correct? And then comments will come when we yeah, we'll take our vote. Yeah, we'll discuss amongst the seven of us at the action. Okay, item. great. Thanks. Thank you. 
Wait, well, this is was, the time I'm, for asking questions, questions of, of our team. And then well, the seven of right. us will discuss it at the point of the Correct. Moment. Okay. Later Thank you. Yes, Mrs. Goodburn. I just have a process question too. So you all did the beliefs, mission, objectives, strategies as part of the steering committee and the parameters. And then you handed, handed that off to action teams. And when those action teams came back and then reported out to you, what were the general thoughts? I mean, do you think, I just was curious what, how, how that process happened. Do you, I mean, I just wanted to know kind of what your general thoughts were. Yeah, we, we met back here in early June um, as a steering committee and then each of the action teams presented their plans they developed for their strategy. <coughs> and, and there was a lot of robust conversation, uh, both questions of the teams and clarifying uh, remarks in the morning and then in the afternoon we kind of locked the doors and went through and decided you know what we we like the work they've done we really wanted to honor the work they had done and um, ended up with just a very few uh, changes or alterations to the action planning teams documents the questions I've got a couple uh, one for the team and one for dr. Fulton here um, for the team, and maybe I'll start with Brenda, is uh, how was consensus achieved? Meaning that had to have been an interesting process to see so many ideas formulated and tossed around. What did you come away with and how consensus was achieved? Because we really didn't have a view into that, and so I'd be very curious how you saw that come about. What was the guy's name? Who was? Dr. Gunn. Oh, Dr. Gunn. Dr. Gunn. Dr. Gunn. Dr. Gunn. Okay, so this was all facilitated and led by Dr. Gunn. Gunn. Lindsay, Gunn. Lindsay, Lindsay. I knew him by Lindsay. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Gunn. And he, when there were times because we were working from like eight in the morning to I don't know three p three p.m. three p.m. five p.m. maybe. So yeah, there was a while where some of us were getting kind of like, oh, I don't like this word, and this is isn't what I had in mind. And so it was hard to find that consensus and hard to find that. We are all in agreement sometimes, but Dr. Um, Gunn, he made sure, he made it very clear to us that we all have differing, as much as our views aligned, we all had different interpretations and different things that were important to us. And he was very much the one facilitating that whole, everyone has a right to be heard and everyone's voice is important and relevant to this conversation. And so he made sure that we found a way to find that consensus and maybe not everyone felt like their priority was at the top of the list, but we all came together and agreed that this was the way that we wanted things to go. So, yeah. Great, thank you. Any other team members want to add to that in your experience? Just, that was beautifully said, first of all. But tacking on to that, um, I think when there was a big disagreement, it was when we got into the very minute details, and that's when, again, our facilitator would tell us that we were kind of going into the weeds, and that wasn't necessarily the goal of the strategic plan. The goal of the strategic plan was to be the guideline that kind of started the conversation and set the vision. So I thought that was very helpful for consensus, too, because at the end of the day, the big themes were something that most of, I mean, I think everybody ended up agreeing on because we're here. <laughs> Right, that's true. We had to we had to all be in consensus before we moved on. So if somebody had a thought, they were encouraged to express that thought, and then everybody was able to have a discussion regarding that thought. Okay. Thank you. And earlier I said I was going to pose the next one to Dr. Fulton, but you guys did such a good job. I'm going to turn it back to you. 
Well, you're asking the experts. I am. <laughs> what, what would you like to see the roles and responsibility of this board to be coming out of this strategic plan? Well, there are specific items within the, the strategies and objectives that can only be accomplished by the board. So there are some policies that are recommended within the plan. Um, and so we um, encourage um, a close eye on that. Um, and we that was something we all came together and agreed upon. Um, and also, um, generally to um, honor the work that was done um, by the Strategic Planning Committee because it was very thoughtfully thought out and through um, and is a reflection of our community. Thank you. Anybody else want to elaborate on that? And to say we've got the policy side of your role, we've got the budgetary side of your role, and that's another lens to always look through when we're thinking about budgeting and what this plan is to everyone and making sure that you're looking at the budgeting process through the eyes of the plan as well. Okay, thank you. Mrs. Owsley. Well, as both, both the board member and the planning committee member, um, there are absolutely certain things that are only within the purview of the board. But as we consider those things and as we hold ourselves accountable to what the community is presenting to us as a goal, um, I, think it's, I think it's nice to know that um, it's being brought to us by such a broad swath of people and in a measure of um, goodwill and in a way of looking forward is to say this is where we want to go. Um, because you know, sometimes things come to us and maybe from one person or may not be um, consensus on it. And in this instance, the, the goals and the vision that was laid out was all done in a very, this is how we build ourselves together moving forward and this is how we, we reach that target of where we wanna be in five years. And approving the plan, I think, puts us um, in a situation to where we've laid out how we're gonna get there. It's not just that this is what we want, but we're saying, okay, we're going to put these as action items and then we're going to track it yearly and we're going to see if we're ticking them off. And then if we're not ticking them off, why aren't we ticking them off and, and why aren't we doing what our community asked us to do? And so I see us in that regard as kind of the um, keeping us in line and, and moving forward. Mrs. Zila. Well, and just to that point there, I mean, we have all of these action steps that are listed here, but this is a fluid document. If the steering committee is coming back each year to kind of review progress and maybe like, okay, now this morphs into something else that it didn't originally start at, but it has that flexibility, I would presume, with that? The plan, the plan does have some flexibility. I think our intent would be that we're going to work the plan over the next five years. When the steering committee comes together and evaluates progress on the plan, that's going to inform any uh, omissions or steps perhaps that we need to consider. But I will say this, there's five years of work in this plan, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. So this is going to keep us uh, engaged on the right things in the next five years to really make sure that we're preparing all of our students for their future. 
but you you can always make minor adjustments along the way. Just the tweaks. That's what sure. I'm kind of yeah, thinking absolutely. There, you know, that yeah. it, it's perfect. I know, guys. It's perfect. But, uh, <laughs> well, perfection can always be improved I, upon, right? I, so. I, you know, that's why I commented. I think you know, 180 people were involved. If if 100, if each of them were to write this plan individually, it would probably look a little different. Oh, absolutely. But the joy of the plan is it re it reflects our collective thought. Good. which was representative of the community, and so that's good. Wonderful. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair. Um, I, I like that phrase, really, the, the expectation of the board is honoring the process mm -hmm. and, and the work of all the um, 180 members who really um, came together to prepare this. And um, I would imagine um, there were a number of words and phrases that you all deliberated on quite extensively. And perhaps reflecting in one of the first action items is coming up with common language and kind of a working definition of what is personalized learning. You know, I mean, as an educational you know, researcher, you can see personalized learning is okay. kind of defined very narrowly <laughs> and very broadly. So, I mean, that is a critical piece. It's like sometimes you have to come together. To say, what does that mean to our community? Yes, I... Do you know who this person is right here? <laughs> Sorry, Ray. Well, thank She's you for that. Incredible was... teacher at Trail Ridge Middle School. I just yeah. want people to know that. Thank yeah. you. Well, thank you for your letter. Um, I was really hoping somebody would ask that question because that was something that we, as a group, um, throughout the entire process, talked a lot about what is personalized learning. And one of the um, steps is to get a group of people who will decide what it is um, to us. But I think it is worth noting what it's not. Um, so. Personalized learning, it's not just a one-size-fits-all technology plan where students are on their technology all the time. Um, one of my favorite parts was that I was definitely looking at personalized learning as the teacher standpoint. When asked what I thought personalized learning was, I thought interventions, extensions, supporting our students, making sure they have what they need, collaborating, you know, all of that. Um, goal setting with our students, using data to drive their instruction, both for myself as the teacher, for my students, for their parents. Um, but then it was really cool to hear Brenda talk about what it meant to her as a student and then to hear what Laura thought it was for her as a parent. And so I think that even more just shined what this process meant because it came from so many different perspectives, not just educators saying this is what it is. So thank you for asking that question. I was <laughs> very much appreciate it. <laughs> can, can I... Sure, go ahead. Follow that up with a part two. So as I read through the, the strategic planning process, I stumbled upon a word that I didn't understand how it was being defined. And so do you see that as a way, if we as a community have a very, we come and we run a, across a part of the strategic plan that we're all defining differently, is that the process, is that the way to honor that, to create an action step and to come up with that? common definition and, and I mean what the I kind of saw two like one example is um, that in um, the, um, in strategy I think it's strategy one plan number three we have a um, we talk about guaranteeing opportunities for personalized learning experiences. And I think that's very much what leadership of the district should be doing is providing those opportunities. But when you look at the specific result, we will reimagine teaching and learning to guarantee 
academic and personal success for all students. So guaranteeing success for all students to me is very different than guaranteeing opportunities towards achieving success. So I look at that and go, what does guarantee mean in that context? Is that something then, if that becomes something that gets questioned by a, a critical mass of people, we would then push to a, maybe an action step to really define and tease out that definition? Is that how this process works in your mind? Yes, I think so. I know um, as a steering committee of only you know 30 or 40 of us, we all had different ideas about what certain words meant. And then mm -hmm. even after the rollout, um, the interpretations of those words were not necessarily things that we had intended upon. So I think defining um, a common language is really important. And so I think through um, the process of rolling these out and working on them, I see that maybe as a role of perhaps a site council. If, if different schools are having you know, issues like, well, what does this mean? Um, and then I also, that's where we felt like it was important to have a strategy to develop systems um, so that opportunities were not hit and miss for our students. And, you know, because as it stands now, there may be some issues um, with access and, and just even knowing about programs mm -hmm. and that we have a systematic approach to making sure that those opportunities are presented for all students. And so I think it was you know, as a strategic planning committee, it was kind of intended in that, like, developing a system so that we make sure that we are ensuring that access. So I see that as a, a continuing conversation. I don't know if anybody has anything to add. Thank you. That's yes, Mrs. Mack. Okay. Um, all of us, I know, up here just have so many thank yous we want to say, and, it's, and the, peop the people in the, um, in back there that are also, we're also on the committee. This has been a very different process. I can't see everybody that's flagged. This whole <laughs> setup is kind of weird. Um, I've been a part of a couple of strategic plans here in the district before, and this has been a very different process for me as a, as a longstanding board member. And, But I have to say, a year and a half ago, this, this board fundamentally changed. And I want to say I appreciate that. We're talking about process right now. And this Board of Education talks more as we sit here and discuss more than I ever have before and I appreciate that because I appreciate the opinions and the comments from everybody sitting up here. Has this been different? Absolutely. I've been sitting here for 12 years. I had no input into this strategic plan whatsoever. That's a little different, okay? But with that being said, Laura, what you said was so profound and, and Dr. Sinclair hit on it. You honor the process when you think about, and Ray, you, and you and Brenda both, you talked about how many people had their fingerprints on this, and Ryan, I'm not excluding you, but they talked about that more. But you had me at resilience. Those three objectives, to me, there's a lot in this plan. If y'all haven't seen it, and there are extra, you know, addendums and all kinds of things, it's an incredible plan. But when I look at those three objectives, to me, personally, that is what leaps out of the plan. And I, I don't want to get emotional here, but I'm a grandma now, and I have a, a, a family members in the district. It is so meaningful that this group of 180 people put together those three objectives that I personally think are incredible. And they, they couldn't have been written 
better ever. So I just want to say thank you for nailing it. Thank you so much for doing that. Great. Anyone else? Thank you very much for the presentation. And again, thank you for your work. And as we heard, the Strategic Planning Committee continues. I do. I do have one final piece to add. And by the way, thank you so much for to my co-presenters tonight. Um, we received word that the uh, Kauffman Foundation, who's engaged in a, an extensive six-county-wide effort in the KC metro area on college and career readiness, is uh, going to be awarding us a grant that will directly support the action steps in our strategic plan. There'll be more on this later, but I think this is a good indication of the lengths that we're going to go to to see what we can do to make sure that we're funding the plan. And I also, I think very importantly, connecting to other groups outside of Shawnee Mission to help us get better as we learn both internally and externally with districts in the Kansas City area, nationally and inter even internationally. So thank you to the board. You commissioned this plan. So thank you for doing that and for letting all of us participate in making this come to fruition. Great. Thank you very much. We move on to our section four, and this is the consent agenda. You have the list of items being considered under one item in the consent agenda. I'll turn to, any board, I'll turn to board members to see if there's any items you'd like removed for individual consideration. Seeing none, I'll seek a motion to approve. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Zila. All those in favor of uh, approving the items on the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We move to item 5, which are the, the action items. And uh, the first two are items 5.01 and 5.02. These are two uh, policy adjustments or updates, or uh, but they are first readings. So I'll turn to Dr. Fulton for any comments on the... Uh, two new policies regarding um, the ones first reading here, 01 and 02. Sure, just, uh, just to emphasize what was shared earlier, this is the first reading. It's an opportunity to hear from the public on their thoughts regarding these. Once we get that feedback in place, then we'll go through and make whatever revisions or uh, the board feels are, are appropriate to make, and then we'll come back later in July and bring, bring it back for the second reading. And to reiterate what was said earlier, uh, we are meeting on uh, July 8th, but we won't be considering at that time. We'll be considering at the meeting on July 22nd. Any other questions from board members regarding that first reading? They've been provided in the printed copy, so I won't read them this evening. No. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. I appreciate the comments, public comments made today, and encourage it, and if others have any other thoughts or suggestions to submit them. Mm -hmm. It's helpful. Yes, Reverend Guy. Um, I'd, I'd be curious to hear from the board policy committee what their process was in um, finding this language and choosing this language. Broadly, you don't have to tell you. Um, some of it was actually from the ACLU lawsuit um, in, in, I believe, 01. The second paragraph came directly from that, correct, Dr. Fulton? That the, that's correct. In 501, the second paragraph is, is verbatim from the agreement. 
And then in, um, basically we, we got together a few times, we discussed it, we had resources, we had legal opinions, we had a lawyer with us. Um, we uh, basically came to agreement on these and looked at other policies out there and, and came up with the policy. And in, in taking into consideration what was said in the ACL lawsuit. Um, yes, Dr. Sinclair. I, I think part of the discussion too is you, you work through those and you think about different ways in which those policies might be implemented, might be viewed. Um, and so looking at them from multiple perspectives, maybe not the perspective in which it was brought to the board, but other ways in which it might come to life within, within the building. Um, and um, so essentially walking through different scenarios. And so it's helpful, again, when you have broader, you know, other people are gonna bring perspectives to that, so that is helpful, you know, if we're, the three of us aren't identifying all of those particular um, angles in which to view it. That's the beauty of the first and second read, so. Yes, Ms. Housley. I think Mrs. Zila was before. I was just gonna, I was just gonna, I was just gonna add to that, um, the process that we kind of went through there, and we had legal eyes look at this on a couple of occasions, and um, which slows our process a little bit. So I'm glad that we will have our in-house counsel mm -hmm. that will hopefully sit in on these meetings too and help with guidance on wording and implications and all of that sort of thing. So that will be a, a help to our policy committee. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mrs. Owsley. Um, so I, can, I'd like to ask about the clause that's kind of been the topic du jour. Um, the one where it's the district retains the right to exercise control over publications because I'm, um, I'm just going to guess that there was reason for it, its inclusion and I'd like to hear what like the background on that was if I could. Well, I think without trying to replicate every part of the conversation in the policy review committee, I think part of what we're after is doing a couple things. One is we want to make sure that we're meeting the spirit and letter of the law when it comes to student journalists. And so we're trying to find language that does that. And uh, as some have expressed tonight, maybe we didn't perfectly find the language. That's okay. Because okay. we can keep working on that. But I do think also we're trying to make sure that we have appropriate uh, mechanisms in place to make sure that should there be uh, publications, and we're not even so much talking about our student formal publications, but other kinds of things that might appear in the public domain that could cause us complications that we have an appropriate way to address those. And so that's, that's part of the ongoing analysis of the language that we need to do. You know, did we get it right the first time? Are there some revisions that we can do that will clarify what the intent of the language is? And obviously that needs to occur. So is there a distinction in this clause between student publications and, and or student publications like student papers that are officially with the district and then this is something else or? Well, that's part of the, on, part of the discussion was around you have formal uh, publications that are part of the journalism class, for example. You have student journalists. And uh, they, they very clearly have uh, rights 
and importantly, uh, voice, right? Because journalism is about voice and getting lots of voices out. But then you can also have publications that may have nothing to do formally with the school that can also appear, and that has happened. And so we're trying to find the right, the right words to express that. And so that's, that's part of the dialogue that we had. Yeah, because I got an email from a student today who referenced something to that effect that I had not been aware of, that there was like a, underground. an underground paper, I don't, paper, zine, I, do they call it zines or did that just date me to the 90s? Um, that was viciously cruel to other students and I had not been aware of that until that former East graduate had emailed me that information. So I was wondering if that had played a role in this at all? It, or? Yeah, it's part of the conversation. And okay. so, you know, policy is always difficult, particularly when you're dealing with, uh, well, with any rights, but including First Amendment rights, is trying to find the right balance of language. And so I think that's part of the ongoing review we need to do is, you know, did we get the balance of the language correct? Have we, again, have we met the spirit of what we're after for student journalists? Because I don't think anybody is, I and mean, we certainly have not uh, restic restricted speech of st student journalists this year at all. And so that's, that's part of what we're after. So we can keep working on that. And I think the community's at this point tuned in enough to where they are definitely going to send us the emails to let us know where we're at. Well, I mean, the, I feel like there's people who yeah, are engaged and paying attention. So that's, that's send helpful. us the information to Terry so that we can review it. Yeah, that's helpful. And specificity is good. Mm -hmm. Actually, the more specific, the better. Um, you know, something that gets right to the point is actually helpful over, I understand people have strong feelings, they certainly express those, but make sure as you express those that you get right to the point of what your concern is. And I think the speakers tonight did a good job of that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Other board member uh, questions or comments on, we're looking at both items 5.01 and 5.02. All right, thank you for the discussion. It will be reconsidered at our uh, July 22nd meeting. We'll move on to item 5.03. The next three items are all um, items for purchase request. Uh, in years past, these might have been items that were part of the consent agenda. As of late, we've been removing any item above $250,000 for individual consideration. And I'll turn to Dr. Fulton with anything you want to say about item 5.03. Um, I've be happy to respond to any board questions. Okay. Anyone? I'll seek a motion to approve 5.03. Move so approval of 5.03. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you nope, for the second. Ms. Mack. Oh, gosh, sorry. <laughs> Thank heavy. you, Mrs. Mack. Thank heavy. you, Mrs. Zila. <laughs> All those in favor of approving item 5.03, the purchase of Cisco equipment, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Item 5.04, the approval of additional Cisco uh, equipment. Of approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approval, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Item 5.05, approval of uh, the Cisco switches. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Mac. Mac, sorry. <laughs> peripheral, my peripheral vision's not good today. Actually, I said it at the same time she did. Okay, thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0.
Um, item 5.06, this is the annual consideration of the approval for the membership into our state organization, KASB, as well as a season pass, which provides us as board members the opportunity to participate in various functions over the year. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Second. Owsley. Thank you, Sinclair. Dr. Sinclair. <laughs> Any additional conversation around this item? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. 7-0. Additionally, with our relationship with KASB, we also are a subscriber to the Legal Assistance Fund. This for $2,100 gives us the access to the legal team there as well for board members to ask specific legal questions outside the purview of those items being considered in the district. I'd move approval of 5.07. Thank you, Second. Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We move on to 5.08, and that is approval of purchase uh, replacement for some classroom projectors. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Silva. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Item 5.09 is the approval of an agreement with the Thomas McGee and Company, and this is a relationship to a, a work comp program that we participate in. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional questions on the item? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Item 5.10 is the approval of the classified salary schedule for 2019 and 20. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton for any comment on this one. Uh, the uh, classified salary uh, schedule is um, laid out for you in the recommendation, and it simply gives a a 1% uh, increase to the schedule and uh, step movement. And that's important because our, our classified staff uh, often are in situations where this time of year they're, they're making decisions about employment. Do I stay, do I go? Uh, and they're trying to figure out their lives. So it's helpful for us to be able to let them know what their salary is gonna be in the year ahead. I uh, remember most of them are on, they're not on contracts, they're you know, at-will employees. So this helps them. The other piece that's also helpful is, is that when we get into a situation where we uh, have employees that leave and we pay people in arrears, then we have to go back and do the same with employees who no longer work here. So this helps us to help them. Thank you. Questions, clarifications from board members on this item? Yes, Mrs. Zila. I, I know that we have looked at our classified schedule of payment for several years now, and we typically lag behind market rates that are going out there. So I would just encourage, you know, ongoing as much as we can, beefing up the, our salary schedule for our classified employees. They're very valued employees to us, but as you said, Dr. Fulton, they're going to go where they can get 25 cents more an hour or something like right. that. So we need to be very cognizant of, of the, the market rate out there for them. Thank you. And, and for all of those that are here, as well as those might be watching, could you do a one or two sentence uh, differential between classified and certified, just so that folks know what we're talking about? Sure. So classified are at-will employees that, uh, generally speaking, at-will employees that are not certified uh, teachers or administrators. So, for example, uh, administrative assistants, custodians, et cetera, would fall into that category. Para. Uh, paras would fall into that category. Mm -hmm. 
and then uh, course certified or people with certifications and typically they'll have um, annual contracts. Okay. Thank you. And we use those terms very quickly and many times not everybody knows who we're referring to. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? I would move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passed <laughs> seven zero. And uh, item 5.11, this is now um, the opportunity to uh, approve the plan as been, a uh, strategic plan has been presented this evening. I'll seek a motion and then a second and then we'll have discussion. I will move. Thank you. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. I'll turn to the board for questions and or comments or discussion on the proposed strategic plan. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Well, I appreciated the opportunity to have discussion earlier with our um, members of the uh, planning process, and I, I feel like I had all my questions addressed and answered in that discussion process. So thank you for all of you who came tonight and were willing to step up and share your experiences and field questions. So. Great. Mrs. Mack? Um, I know I said my comments during that time. But I just, I really want to say thank you for the, for the community's um, input. Um, there have been times when we've asked in the past and, and um, I really feel this time that not only did um, the process seem to work well from the committee members that I spoke with, um, but the document itself is, is um, a fluid document and will guide us in the next five years. And it's, it was amazing to listen to the committee members tonight as a parent, as a teacher, as a student, as a principal, stand up and give their overview. And you could just tell that um, they were confident in presenting it to us that um, they were saying, yeah, this is it. This is our five-year plan. So I appreciated that very much. Thank you. Other board members? I guess I have a few things and then we'll consider it here. Um, first of all, it's not lost on me that this is a five-year plan, which means that the decisions that are made here and embarked upon um, surpass the terms of any of us sitting here mm -hmm. in our elected four years or less roles. And I think that's pretty neat because we're looking well beyond what's right in front of us, but uh, the future of the students and the, and the community in this district. So as was mentioned a couple of times, um, you know, we, we were handed this final document and although you've seen the digital version, some of us have seen the printed version and it's uh, pretty involved and as a slower than average reader, uh, it took me uh, most of the weekend to, to move through the final draft and to really grasp what, what it was all about. And um, at one point there was uh, a song that came on that it kind of really hit me and it's a song that uh, called One Voice. and. Uh, I had to go back and look at the lyrics because I thought, that sounds exactly like what we're talking about. And it says, this is the sound of one voice, one spirit, one voice, the sound that makes, the sound of one who makes a choice. This is the sound of all of us singing with love and the will to trust. Leave the rest behind and it will turn to dust. This is the sound of all of us. I thought that was pretty darn good. And many times when we do a strategic plan, we think about them as that document that sits on the shelf for five years and it doesn't get looked at and it gets dusty and then we revisit it. But I think in this case, because we've had all the voices around the table, this can and will be a living document. And that's why when I asked the team, what's the role of the board? I think that's ultimately the role of the board, mm -hmm. is to carry this thing through, to make sure that it's uh, discussed, that it's implemented, that it's prioritized, but in the end, 
it's honored. And uh, that's why I look forward to approving this plan tonight. Ben, I'll seek a motion to approve. Oh, well then let's vote on it. <laughs> All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Those, aye. those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you for all that again, and thank you for the work there. Uh, congratulations on, on this moment. <laughs> Lastly, we have uh, board comments, item six. I'll turn to board members with comments. Mrs. Owsley. Um, so I wanted to just kind of refresh everyone's recollections on a resolution that was passed on April 24, 2017 by the board prior to some of the newer board members being here. Um, the resolution was worked on with community members and it was done in result um, to some actions that were taken regarding a student in a building. Um, and this resolution says that the Board of Education of the Shawnee Mission School District is committed to the success of each and every student in our school system. And the mission of the Shawnee Mission School District is to provide an education which fully prepares each student to complete, compete successfully in society and be fully prepared to make productive life decisions. We believe that each and every student has the potential to achieve and that it is the responsibility of our school district to identify, nurture, and support that potential. And in order to do that, we respect and insist on a conducive educational environment. The board believes that the physical safety and emotional well-being of all children in the district depends upon our ensuring that our schools are safe and inviting for all students and their families. And the Shawnee Mission School District does not tolerate any form of discrimination, harassment, or bullying. And then it references the policies therein. The Board of Education believes that a safe and inviting environment would be disrupted by the presence of active immigration and naturalization enforcement occurring at a school and during school hours. We also recognize that there are other methods of pursuing enforcement that do not include the interrupting of the sanctity of the school environment. The Board calls upon the Department of Homeland Security to honor its directive of October 24, 2011 prohibiting active enforcement at sensitive locations, which includes schools, absent severe exigent circumstances. It also goes on to reiterate the policies that this district has regarding removing children from buildings without parental notification and how that is prohibited, and that if anything is going to occur to a child on any of our campuses, the district superintendent must be notified before it occurs. And in light of some of you know, current events, I thought it would be really nice to reiterate this resolution that was passed before I got here, but which I wholeheartedly agree with. And I wanted to refresh everyone's recollection that it exists um, as a reminder to everyone in our buildings that um, we are here to educate kids and to keep them safe, and other things are not to intrude upon that. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. Thank you. Other board member comments? Mrs. Ela. Well, tonight, prior to our board meeting, we were able to honor Dr. Kenny Southwick for his years of service with Shawnee Mission, five years of service from Cinco de Mayo Day five years ago and onward. And we just want to, again, thank you so much for all of the integrity, the perseverance, the open-minded, and the candidness that you have bestowed upon us, our district, and everyone in it, in our community as well. So you've done an amazing job. 
you fail at retirement very badly, I hear. Uh, this is, I don't know how many times you've retired now, but I know you're going on to other, <laughs> yeah. but that's wonderful. And, and I'm sure that uh, the consolidated schools of greater Kansas City will enjoy your leadership very, very much. We will miss you here, and you have been a great asset to the district. So thank you so much. Mrs. Mack. I want to uh, follow up on that. I want to thank you for this carpet square right here. <laughs> Kenny and I sit over here on this end. We can't see half of you all. We can't see half of this over here. And there is a, an air conditioning vent right here. And he got me a carpet square one night. <laughs> I was freezing. It's hard for me to talk about you um, while I'm sitting here next to you. So I wrote you a note. But I just I want to say thank you. And um, it's hard to believe this, but you're going to even make a better grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> when you have more time to do that. And I hope you have more time to do that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for everything. Yeah. Thank you. Other board members? Well, I'll echo the comments that were made. Thank you for your service to this district. Uh, we just adopted a five-year plan today, so I snicker and say, was this your five-year plan that you all saw play out over last year? And, and we know it wasn't, but the overarching part of that plan was to serve students in this district, and you did that very well. Thank you very much. You, we turned to you at a point of transition and said, would you take on an additional role? And, and you gladly did that and helped guide us through a very important chapter of Shawnee Mission. So you're leaving us in great hands, and we look forward to staying in touch, and I know you'll be watching us as we move through the next five years. Dr. Southwick, thank you. Can I make one last yes. comment, sir? Yes, Dr. Southwick, you made it a better place than when you walked in the door to start with, and that was always your goal, to make it a little bit better, so I think you have accomplished that. Thank you. Thank you. Can I make just a parting comment? Um, yes. I'm proud of what you did tonight, because... Dr. Fulton has a plan. It's not his plan. It's the community's plan. The community has given him the authority to do what needs to be done. And I don't think we've had that before in leadership. He has it now. Um, he surrounded himself with good people through this process. Um, he's been hands off. But um, strategic plans don't last just five years on the shelf. They last about 3,000 if you never touch them. Um, so I thank the board for the opportunity to be here. I thank um, Dr. Fulton and all the staff and the 180 plus people and the thousands of people are gonna work to make this a better place. Continually every day, just a little bit better. So um, thank you all for your work. I've been blessed to be surrounded by good people all my life. I've never been in a place I didn't want to be working with people I didn't want to work with. And uh, as I leave Shawnee Mission, I have zero regret. And I just moved to the next phase of my life. So thank you all very much. Thank you again. This concludes the work of the board for the calendar year 1819. Uh, we begin again the new academic year starting next uh, month at our July 8th meeting. We are adjourned. <laughs>